Yahweh. You heard that one? Yeah, okay. It's a phrase. It's actually someone's name, right? The name above all names in the universe. It's the name of? Okay, God, right. God the Father. In the Hebrew language, it means I am or I am that I am or I am who I am. I am that I always will be, that kind of thing. Yahweh, the one being shepherd of you, nothing shall you lack. That's, the, uh, that's a direct translation from the Hebrew of Psalm 23. And I, you know, I know you've heard that, right? Well, it's one of the most famous lines from the Bible. Even your staunch atheist or agnostic neighbor is likely familiar with that line. You know, a majority of the time I have Psalm 23 in front of me in church, it's at a funeral. And that seems rather out of balance because Psalm 23 is more about life than death. But I suppose that's why it's read at most funerals because funerals are more about life than death. But notice the person the psalmist David says it is who gives life. The first word uttered in the psalm, not counting the introduction, is Yahweh, the Lord, Father, Shepherd, who causes all the verbs thereafter to happen. He makes me lie down, He leads me, restores, is with me, comforts, prepares, anoints, makes my cup overflow, and so on. It may be good to be the king, but it's good to be the king's son or daughter too, isn't it? Maybe even better. This is a scene from when I was my dad's son. I still am my dad's son, but I say it that way because it was during these times when other people reminded me that I was somebody's son. Once a year on family day at Plant 42 in Palmdale where the space shuttles were assembled, spouses and children could come and see dad or mom at work. Sometimes both of them worked there, uh, as was the case with my parents. But I was free to walk around and uh, explore, the, uh, you know, explore the whole place and check everything out. And I would encounter the people who worked there and they'd say to me, you're Bert's son, aren't you? And I'd say, yep with a little bit of pride because it felt good to be recognized that way. I was somebody's son. It was the only time I heard that in my life for those seven years or so until, of course, many years later when I became known as another father's son at my baptism. Since your baptism, when's the last time you were reminded you were Yahweh's son or daughter? His kid. When's the last time? Can't remember? All right. <laughs> I'll do it for you now. Hey, you're God's kid, aren't you? Good, good. I'd Not complete stunned silence this time, but a few responses. That's good. All right. Well, speaking of God's kids, the ones we have for a time here in our preschool... When I'm here in chapel on Wednesdays telling them about baptism, man, I wish I could baptize them right here and then, immediately. They have the same faith as the eunuch from Ethiopia. 
In their minds, nothing prevents them from receiving the good news about Jesus and being baptized. Their hands immediately go up in the air and they say, I want to be baptized. I'd do it right then and there if I could. On the one hand, permission from mom and dad prevents them from being baptized on the spot. Plans need to be made. Relatives and sponsors have to be scheduled to fly in from the four corners of the earth to be part of it. And, you know, that takes a long time. And I also have to be sensitive of the wishes of the parents. You know, some of them may come from a different tradition of practice than us. They may want to wait until their son or daughter is older to be baptized. On the other hand, nothing prevents them from receiving the good news of Jesus and being baptized. And this applied to you. This applied to me. This applies to all people. We Christians are criticized all the time for excluding people from having access to God based on everything but the real reason people cut themselves off from God. They exclude themselves. They don't, they won't, they refuse to believe the good news about Jesus Christ. Notice Philip doesn't say no to the man he encounters in the desert. Now this whole encounter is being orchestrated by an angel and the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, when the Ethiopian asks him about the scriptures and what prevents him from being baptized, Philip doesn't say, hey man, this is for the Jews only. Or he doesn't say, this good stuff isn't for people like you. Philip delivers the goods immediately. And it happens that one more person is named God's son. We don't get the eunuch's name, which is interesting in light of the scene that happens before this in Acts. So I want to back up a little bit and tell you what happens before this. It's about Simon the magician. Like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about a certain text we read, Simon the magician, Acts 8, chapter, or, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 25, doesn't come up anywhere in the three-year lectionary that we use in the church. Now, you may have read it on your own, but we never hear it in church. I'm changing that today. Now, this takes place in Samaria. Remember Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well? Well, that took place about a year or a couple years before this. The Samaritans were people who had a, a hybrid religion of Judaism and and some local, uh, you know, paganism. They had excluded themselves for generations from the Jews, and the Jews hated them for it. But God had good plans for these people. So here's how it goes. Saul, later known as Paul, was trying to wipe out these new Christians going into one house after another, dragging them out into the streets and throwing them in prison. Those who managed to escape scattered and went from place to place, continuing to tell people the good news of Jesus. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to people there. When they heard him, they all listened eagerly to what Philip had to say, especially when they saw the miracles he did. There were those who were plagued by demons. Many came screaming out of them. And many who were paralyzed and couldn't walk were made well. 
So there was great joy in that city. In the city was a man by the name of Simon who was practicing magic and amazing the people there with his sorcery, bragging about himself as if he was the greatest man in town. Everybody from the poorest to the wealthiest listened eagerly to him saying, this guy's great, he's got power. They were so enthralled with him because he had for a long time amazed them by his witchcraft. But when Philip told him the good news of God's kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, men and women believed him and were baptized. Even Simon believed. And when he was baptized, he stayed with Philip. He was amazed to see the miracles and wonderful works that were done in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people. So he offered the apostles money, saying to them, Give me this power, so that when I lay my hands on anyone, they'll get the Holy Spirit. May your money die with you, Peter told him, because you meant to buy God's gift with money. You have no part to share in this because your heart's not in the right place with God. Now repent of this wickedness of yours and ask the Lord if perhaps he'll forgive you for thinking this way. Simon replied, You asked the Lord for me that none of these things you said may happen to me. So he did. And after they reconciled, they brought the good news to many Samaritan villages on the way back to Jerusalem. This is not a Rembrandt here. I don't know who painted this, but uh, you got you know, Simon on the right there. Right, And you got Philip looking over like, don't bother me, I'm, I'm healing people right now. You know, Don't bother me with your money. Then the scene with the Ethiopian takes place. Philip and the Ethiopian are great and all, but Simon adds a lot to this, doesn't he? A little commentary note in my Lutheran study Bible says this about it. Luke records in his book of Acts that these public demonstrations of the Holy Spirit appear as new groups of people were received into the one Christian church through the ministry of the apostles. Who were these groups? Samaritans? Unclean peoples? Sorcerers and pagans? Foreigners and cripples? You name it. To God they were all people. Sinners all but made worthy to be called sons and daughters of the King by the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My dear friends, we seem to pride ourselves a little here on being a friendly church, open to everyone, and I believe that's true. But I'm telling you, the time is coming when our friendliness will be tested in a greater way. I see the local fortune teller of our town um, is no longer in business or she's looking for a place to set up shop somewhere else. What if she were to come here inquiring about this Jesus who we worship? Or what if you were to encounter her in the community and the subject came up about who's really in charge of life and the future? There's no one in this world for whom Christ did not die and rise from the grave to give abundant life. What is to keep her from receiving the good news of Jesus and being baptized? What other groups of people can you think of 
when by stopping to, include the, to, stopping to exclude themselves from hearing of God's love for them might have access to the Father and be named His sons or daughters. You can tell me who you think those might be later. I'm curious. It might help us to work together better in our ministry here if we had this conversation. I know Sherwood seems rather kind of the same. Everybody's sort of the same here. They're people whom we like. But there will be a time. I don't know when. But we will need the Holy Spirit to give us an extra measure of the right words to say in the right way which opens hearts and minds to receive the good news and baptize more people into God's family. Families aren't made of clones, you know, where everybody's exactly the same, and that's especially true when you're a son or a daughter of, or in God's family. It's Christ, though, who calls us and draws us to Him together and makes us one with His body. So rejoice in being a son or daughter of the great I Am. You are His, and He is yours forever. And we will all dwell in the house forever with the Lord. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.